I'm Nicole Tamron. I'm a watercolor artist and introvert who ironically loves to talk shop. One thing I know is that no matter where we are in our creative journeys, we all have something to teach as well as room to learn because there's no one singular path when it comes to doing art. And hearing the stories of others are truly what allow us to get out there and tell our own. Join me as I reconnect with industry friends for real talk about art, business, and all the life that happens in between. Today, I'm so excited to have my friend Lisa Griffin on, and Lisa and I were just trying to figure out how the heck we ended up in each other's orbit, because that's the amazing thing about Mm -hmm. creativity and careers is you don't even know how people get on. And so because of that, Lisa, actually, honestly, I really genuinely, if I think back, I have known nothing about how you get started, how you ended up doing what you're doing. And just for everyone who also is new to Lisa, Lisa Mm -hmm. has done children's book illustration for many years. In fact, you've done a number of books. Like when I say I've done children's illustration, I've done one book, a a Mm -hmm. book. Lisa has done lots of books, Mm -hmm. but as we know, creative careers, they're super winding and interest Mm -hmm. quote ebb and flow. So I guess the real kicker here is where did all this start for you, Lisa? Like we didn't just wake up and we're like, Mm -hmm. I love books as a kid. So I'll be a children's book illustrator. Like what, what is that? Um, no, I am going to be completely cliche, like so many other people and say it totally did start in child. <laughs> and I did love So books. you are the child that yes. was like, I'm going to be a child. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Loved the box. Do you remember the box of Crayola crayons with the, it had to have the built-in sharpener in the back. Did you organize yours by color? Um, I just left them where they were a lot of times, really? you know, unless they spilt out. Oh, or, no, no. I, but that I, was the big gift, you know. I, I dumped got that, that box. Out. Really? No, you never I organized ne- yours by color? I don't remember dumping it out. I just, the impression of was if I scored the Crayola, the big Crayola the box big one. with the sharpener, the built-in sharpener. Specifically I, the sharpener. I felt like I've arrived, you know, like if mom and dad got that for me instead of the little tiny, like eight pack or whatever it was, I was like, I've arrived. But loved books, always loved books. Um, and I have a younger sister and I used to make books for her. So I would make and illustrate books and my mom kept one and it was super cute because I like bound it in everything. Like it was this little, mer- it was a mermaid book. Um, yeah. So I would say that's my earliest memory. I have to it. tell you that I'm just, this is where I got to stop you because you know, I was also that child that loved that box and I had a younger brother <laughs> oh. and I would conduct school where I would literally make and package up and illustrate mm-hmm. books or brochures if we were going on a vacation. If we, like, so it's the same thing, but I didn't end up, I mean, I guess I did, but I also children's books were not it for me, mm-hmm. which I find is very interesting, which is why those like, even those preliminary things, I don't know is always the indicator of why you stay. And yeah. that's the even wilder part is yeah, why to think that your path is so linear, we know it's not, right? Mm-hmm. So childhood of book loving. Childhood, it was linear, I would say. Very, okay. As you get older, I think you become more aware and you get, I don't want to say criticized, it's a harsh term, but people are more vocal about mm. what you're doing and in school, like what you're doing, what you're drawing, and that can be good and bad. It can be- When did you feel like that was a a factor for you did that um, come in early it started school in middle or school. started in middle school and for me it was always a positive I yeah. wasn't a sporty kid you know I was definitely a, a social friendly kid um but I was very happy on the sidelines cheering my friends on at a basketball game or I would even do the stats just so I could like go on the bus with and I did that even in high school I would take the stats just so I could travel with my friends to their games and cheer them on and I just had no ambition to be that student athlete but loved the social side of it and um so it was definitely middle school I can remember we had one art class a week and I hated that because I just looked forward to that art class. I remember getting that impression very early on, I would say in middle school that kids became, and I'm using my air quotes, quotes, aware that they were no longer good at art. And that's something that has so stuck with me because even to this day, because I do teach, I have classes online, like everybody can do art. I hate that stigma that I'm not good at art because it can be just a very be so therapeutic. It could just be doodling. It could be painting whatever you wanted, you know, like just, just to paint, 
just because, and you don't have to show anyone. We do it where this is our career. So yes, we're, we're doing it for clients often. It's not always for ourselves, but people can certainly do it for themselves and not feel they're bad at it. Um, but you know, what's really interesting about those middle school years. And obviously mm-hmm. we both have children that have survived those mm-hmm. as, as we owe, we have survived those. So badge of honor for everyone that's gotten through middle school, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel like you're right. There's a lot of positive reinforcement and there is the like do we do things that we always want to do versus don't want to do based off of the things we are encouraged to do and middle school is a really defining time because that's when you figure out you're bad at math or you're a bad writer or gosh you're not really the science kid and there's also this fear of I'm not even fear but it's I think there's a search for identity at that age as well are you the sports kid or are you the smart kid or are you the the class clown? Yes. And we try to like weave into those because Mm -hmm. of the, because of what we get as response, the positive reinforcement. And so I think what's always interesting is for many of us, art was the positive reinforcement, right? We were encouraged to do art because we had some natural talent there. And by that age is when it really starts to break off who is unable Yes. You know, at that, but so for Definitely. both sides, the fact mm-hmm. that for adults that end up in the creative field and for adults, and I think more specifically people in our age group, I feel are people coming back to doing art that maybe yes. we're not doing art because they were not encouraged on that path. So you had the, I will say more unique experience to be encouraged on the art I side. Yeah. I would, I had great art teachers. My, I, my art teacher in high school, Mr. Gobio was fabulous. I still send him Christmas cards every year. He is a lovely man. Was that an easy decision for you when it came time to pick? Cause I always think that's like the first time short from being a kid and saying like, when I grow up, I want to be X, Y, Z. I want to be an artist. Like there's an a artist, yep. really deliberate decision-making process yeah. that when you choose to go for education, something that has some formality around it, like what was the degree that you were going to? And, and was that a hard decision for you? It was not. <laughs> um, I think by my senior year in high school, uh, three quarters of my day was were art classes. It just was, that's where my heart was. And um, I was even like a studio aide to help other. I just wanted to be in that classroom all day. And, you know, I worked on yearbook, anything creative. That's, yeah. that's I just gravitated towards that. Um, so the only stipulation my parents had was I needed to go to a liberal arts school. They didn't want me going just to a, uh, a you know, like, RISD or at the time we had Portland School of Art because I grew up in Maine and I took summer classes at Portland School of Art and I really enjoyed it. So I went to school. um, I went to UMass Dartmouth. It actually was Southeastern Massachusetts University when I started and then it switched over and they were affiliated with the Swain School of Design, which was in um, New Bedford. So that was kind of nice because I took like a jewelry making class and like metal smithing and you know, sculpture, but it was just in the, well, it was in the illustration classes that I felt most comfortable, but then I had um, a few graphic design classes that I really enjoyed. And it was all back in the day, (laughs) because I am going to show my age here. There was one computer lab. It was still all paced up at that time. Everything was by hand. So it was just all about the fundamentals and just learning to put your art up and having it critiqued in, you know, by your peers and the professors. So it was just lovely. You know, it just was eye-opening and it was lovely. And that energy, I felt like that was just, I wish I could have bottled that because <laughs> that's, I think what we met, you know, when like our, again, no, our, that our creative feedback. community, it's that, that creative community. Yeah. It's the first time because you're living there and you're with all these people who are, just, just so, I mean, some people so off the wall creative that it was inspiring. And then you had other people who were quietly, you know what I mean? You just met so many lovely individuals. And and I think that's that I really do believe, which is so interesting is that all these people that are creative, Mm -hmm. it's not that there's a a complete archetype or anything, but you will find a lot of people in these creative fields are more introverted. However, because you know, I'm an introvert. No one thinks I'm an introvert. I don't, yeah, I wouldn't have. No one that. thinks that, but mm-hmm. I am. But when you get involved with 
like landing an art school when you were like the art kid, mm-hmm. it's the career is very solo in my opinion. Oh, but in art school, sure. so if you think about that, that that weird that design arc, right? So we go from like a solo mission to mm-hmm. getting to art school and really landing with your people where you do learn, I feel in a very safe, collaborative, supportive environment to talk mm-hmm. about your work, to kind of work through challenges, that energy does feed on itself. And it like mm-hmm. gives you so much confidence and motivation to even that person that's better than you, but they're not better right. than you in this competitive spirit. They're better than you in the way that you want to get better with them. Right. And you want to level up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that environment is just, I mean, think about all of the ways that you did level up either emotionally or, you know, mm-hmm. confidence wise or technique wise in that environment. And mm-hmm. then we leave. And we're, that's why you need a critique group. That's, exactly. That's you why, need that yeah. community. Because I <laughs> because definitely, you're absolutely right. I so miss, you know what? I missed it when we, when we left school, it was because, mm-hmm. you know, it's just one of those milestones in life yes. that you, you enter yes. a different phase. Um, and it took a few years to, you know, you still, you're still at the time I was still young. I met my husband my now husband in college, we're like college sweethearts. So, you know, I still had all of him and the, all my, we kept in touch with a lot of friends. So we had that social, but I would say it wasn't until years later that it really sunk in that I was plateauing in my work. And I took a hard look at why that was. And it, I didn't have anyone around me. And that's when I joined a CBWI, the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. And That's then amazing. so a this is a later. weird. So to get you to that point, because I completely yep. agree. Mm-hmm. When you left school, and ironically, I also college sweethearts with my husband. Oh my goodness. That's was wild. your husband a create well see you went to liberal yep. arts school. So, so yeah, yep. so that was wiser. Yep. My husband was a hockey player. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> leave like leave the art department. If you're history. listening to this and you're a student. Look yeah, outside of your department today. Let's just we go were that. Uni- we're <laughs> still are yin and yang, like opposites completely attracted. <laughs> no, that's um, so when you left school. So even though, mm-hmm. like, yes, you've got some kind of community around you, were mm-hmm. you able to make that key turn? Because you know, I was not, and that was a really hard one for me. So, like, mm-hmm. what did leaving school? Because you leave this place where, by the way, mm-hmm. all dreams are possible. Mm-hmm. In fact. Yep. You're yep. just getting together your portfolio, and and yep. you're launching out into this world that. I don't know if you felt like this, but I was given, I know they try. And by the way, I'm teaching similar level right now and I'm trying, but the reality is there's no, there's no map here. You don't leave with a map. You don't leave with instructions. You don't leave with a destination to take a resume to. So what did, what happened after that? I think I was naive in my belief that, um, because just like you said, I did all those things, right. I had the portfolio and, um, I graduated with a visual arts degree. So, I, at that time, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to be an illustrator on the side. I'll send out postcards and try to do portfolio drop-offs, but I had the visual design aspect, so the graphic design aspect to fall back on. And yes, hard, did not land a creative job. I ended up working because I had plans. I moved with my husband and a friend of ours. I wanted to stay in Massachusetts, so spent the summer at home saving money moved to Massachusetts. We were like three's company, right? That it was me, my friend and my husband. So two girls and a guy in an apartment. I think because I was still with all my friends, I just was really enjoying being on my own and seeing our friends and going out and just being young and having fun. And you know where I landed? I was a bank teller. The girl who is not good at math, was a bank teller. I know. And I felt, well, <laughs> this is my nine to five. I have to pay the bills. I'll still send out art. Yeah. Um, it just took a long time, but I'm stubborn. And thank God I'm stubborn, you know, because that bank teller job, this is going to sound convoluted, but it was with Bank of Boston. Do you remember them? I do. Which is now Bank Boston. Yeah. Ended up, they would send these internal um, postings around. I knew there was a graphic design department at the headquarters on Federal Street. So I'm like, I need to get to Federal Street. So ended up <laughs> interviewing for a graph for a um, assistant position on Federal Street in the audit department. Again, math, <laughs> audit, math, all got that job. I'm like, okay, great. Now I'm on Federal Street. 
but it ended, they were like, oh, you're creative. So then I started jazzing up the reports and doing the PowerPoint presentations and doing like a little, anything that yeah. they could throw my way that was creative, I would do it. Yeah. And then from there, I ended up going on my lunch hour once a week to the graphic design department to just follow the art director around. And she was lovely. Um, and she's an artist too, like similar, but she was more of a painter. I just clicked with her. And as soon as there was an opening there, they were like, Lisa, you're in. So I, when you say the road is long and winding, it yes, totally is. It's that. I feel like you have to kind of, and that's me, I'm type A, but it was starting as a bank teller, which is so weird and random. It was truly a paycheck is what landed me my first, like was part of the steps that landed me my first creative job. And I learned so much. And again, I got that creative community back because yeah. I was in with a bunch of designers who were so skilled, who were so lovely and just getting to watch them and learn from them and, you know, do things with them. I just was a sponge. I think to this day, I'm still a sponge when it comes. Well, I think that's really like that. what it comes down to with if you, and I, you know, we are living as we all know in like the the bombardment of online classes. And it's not to even yeah. say that the value is not there, but I think that every single person that has a class will also tell you, this is not strange secretive information. It's right. all my, like my classroom has been Google so much at the time because it's all there. You just have to be like, like that, anything to say the yes, anything of getting you that next step closer. And I love mm -hmm. that you said, like I started as a truly, truly a step in your rung here is starting as a bank teller, because what are you doing at every point? As long as you understand where you're going, you see these opportunities to get closer and closer. So yeah, something that seems very unrelated. I always think at retail as being a major thing I point to as part of my, I don't know, skill set that I need and I need it now. Mm -hmm. And I can do it in this very like strange way, but it's, it's really part of that journey. And so every little step you're taking that seems unrelated. I do believe when you know where you're heading, you you're like taking a new scan of the area. Like, okay, well, yep. what's my next closest thing. And yep. also kudos to you for going out and be like, I'm going to use my lunch hour to yep. like, because that's really at the end of the day, what happens, right? We make relationships. And when right. there's a relationship there that is far before the ask or the opportunity who yep. do you want to help out? Who do you want to slot in? People you really enjoy knowing. So of course, as soon as an I, opening comes I up. I think of her to, to this, like I will communicate with her through Instagram with, with that first art director because she, you can almost pin, look back and see so many little mentors in your lives that if you remember what they did, like, she, like, just like you said, she didn't have to do that. She, mm -hmm. she didn't like, you know, she had to take time out of her day to show me, show me quark. Cause I didn't know how to use quark, you know, it was, and then there was another guy there who's so talented, this guy, Fred, and he would show me tips on Photoshop. You know, it was, it, it, I still think back to these people. And I think when it comes to teaching or just sharing information, like we both like to do yeah. it, it's influenced by these other mentors we've met along the way, because now we have something to share and give and offer to other people that encouragement, that, you know what, that honesty, because it's yeah. not easy. I think a lot of people will look at us and go on our, our websites and think, oh, well, it's so easy for them. Look, they have clients or they're busy. They have work and jobs, but it doesn't, it didn't happen overnight for it. I mean, I feel like there's still rungs that I haven't reached that yeah. I want to reach, you know? Mm -hmm. So and it's also too looking at it. Like you somehow have arrived somewhere and mm -hmm. there's no arrival. Like it's always nope. like constant problem. And I, I do agree with you though. I think there's a fair amount of gratitude that I, mm -hmm. I look at a lot of these conversations as, you know, one, I think you really do make them happen. Those connections, you really do put yourself involved sometimes intentionally, but oftentimes they're very unintentionally, these people that you just bump into. And I think about how pivotal certain decisions or certain, like, I mean, I've been pointed by a person by just the suggestion of looking at this or trying this. And I think that especially maybe this is like that, the age reflection is 
you kind of feel so grateful for those parts in your mind that you were so minute to that person, but life-changing for you that I think there's a certain sense of gratitude for that, that does come out with most people. I I feel like I know where you want to pass that forward. There's almost this responsibility Mm -hmm. of passing that forward because something so small was so life-changing for you. Yeah. You like, yeah. And it doesn't take a lot to offer that out as well. As you get closer and closer to like what the, the, like the pivotal platform, like, oh, I've made it. What, what's making it? Like you can't, it's, yeah. it's all a mess when you get there. So it's more things to seek out with new people that you need to yeah. have those interactions with and look for guidance. And, you know, it's a constant, it's a constant maneuverability, I guess. It's just yeah. like, how do we yeah. how do, do it? So this is sounding like it's a little bit more graphic focused. It was totally, I just wasn't landing illustration jobs. Um, Were you still trying at that point? Were you still? I was, I would send out postcards and I think the, what I love that's changed in art education, it seems like it definitely was part of the curriculum when I was an adjunct professor. Um, They're teaching more business classes. (laughs) Was, you know, the business classes. I really do. I agree. It's like one thing I've always looked back and said, I just wish there was more of that all the way through. And I think what's really hard, and I've had to kind of admit as I think possibly having a a child this age and now working with this age for quite some time, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that like, and this is not to like generalize, but there are some kids who are piecing together those conversations that are happening through classes as you have a lot of people who are working in the field, they're piecing together that information. And there's other kids who are just not ready to hear things, even though it's oh, actually yeah. part of the curriculum. So yeah. that's a little bit how I'm feeling. Um, I think it's, of course, do we want it bumped up no matter what, but also to creative business is a very weird business. It's a yeah. very, it has these weird little I don't know. I think a lot of it gets to be very individualized. So having a program that introduces these things in a way that actually is going to land, I think that's more of a hurdle versus like a business. Like you think of a business program, right? People, there's like a four-year degree for that. And we want to combine that with a four-year degree. This is not to say it shouldn't be there. And yes, I think everyone's attempting to make it more part of (laughs) <laughs> that yeah, kind I of conversation just having um maybe the requirement of a business class just to get it in the the, the students frame, I agree yeah uh, you know frame of mind I think would have been helpful um when I was in school and again I'm gonna like just tell people now I graduated in 94 so this is a very long time ago and I know things have changed since then but um when I was in school there were no there you weren't going to school for animation you were either going to be a graphic designer, a photographer, a fine artist, or an illustrator. And if you wanted to be an illustrator, your choices were try to get a job at Hallmark. Yeah, that's like, that would have been like the holy grail, right? If you wanted to do like, and we didn't even know, it wasn't called licensing. There wasn't anything about surface pattern design. That wasn't even a blip because Hallmark was one of the few large companies that would actually staff illustrators. So you had that, or you could be a children's book illustrator. And I would say in my class, it was probably 50-50. You did have some illustrators that were on the line of fine artists. I mean, they just were, the work they did was stunning. And, or I should, you know, I missed a big, a big portion there, um, editorial. So you could go and, and be That's like true. an editorial yeah. illustrator. Um, I wasn't interested in that. It was all, for me, it was children's books, or if I could have worked at Hallmark yeah like that sounds like a dream job at the time right but when you leave school you're just okay so I want to be a children's illustrator now what you know and that's what I think it eventually led me to um there were some ad agencies that I had sent artwork to um because at that time like my work was extremely it you know how our work evolves but it was more realistic than it is now um uh, so I did get a few like little bitty spot illish, but it was nothing I could have paid the rent on. Right. Um, so I think, again, I think if I look back, I was just, it'll happen. You know, I kind of was like, I have graphic design to fall back on. And I don't mean that to sound like negative because no, it was no. creative and I enjoyed it. 
Well, sometimes um, that gets really to be a little content. bit of a trap too. Like it can when you be. find yeah. a creative job that lets you be more creative, it's almost like it takes, because it, it provides you a structure where you're like, oh, this is right. actually working again, positive reinforcement, right? Right. We right. were like, that oh, dopamine. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's like, it satisfies, like we all have these multi skills in our, our like creative suitcase for whatever reason but mm-hmm. when you start to use those for income sometimes it does take the foot off the gas of the thing that like you know and and sometimes it's hard to even know at that time is I'm being creative and I'm so glad to be mm-hmm. creative for money that I'm not a bank teller right I'm I'm right. in this department and so does the book illustration does that feel as prominent? Like, did you always feel like that was kind of in the background where you're like, I'm being creative, but I know this isn't it. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And I think I was just like, I think the social part of me, I was, I was distracted by a lot of things and I was having fun with my friends and I felt like I was paying the bills. I was paying the student loans and exactly what you said, the children's illustration will always be there. Um, But there definitely was something missing, you know, like I, I'm, miss that part of it and I feel with graphic design because I did do it for a while um I was able to take criticism with it it was just an it was so it was creative I could take a critique and not be upset I still love learning it wasn't as personal as if I'm drawing this illustration and then someone looks at it and they're like or you know just (laughs) don't that would be I'm going to pout about this for a little bit, you know, because it just felt more of me went into. Yeah. I got one the other day that was like, I don't love it. Yeah. (laughs) See, it's, it's, Uh, yeah, me neither. (laughs) It's tough. It's, I think that's something that, um, I definitely have a thicker skin, but I'm not going to lie. There's times where uh, somebody can say something. And if it's about an illustration, I might need to give myself 24 hours, a little 24 hour pity party. Oh, I and then you just got to move on Roll because on. you'll just, you, you'll never pick up a pencil again. If you just allow that to. But that's where critique. Life. And honestly, it's a muscle, right? Like we learn yes. to do it. So having critique in an area that's creative, but isn't kind of like your heart and soul, it, mm-hmm. that's a way to build up that muscle. But again, it's not your heart and soul. And you kind of knew that. So right. how, what was the thing that, that, did you reach a breaking point where like, if I, I just, I, if I do not no. change, it's not going to go anywhere. Or did mm-hmm. you have a break that got no, you? I, that? And I'm not even going to be able to pinpoint it, Nicole, but you're absolutely right. It just, um, you know, I, we started having a family and I was like always, always reading to them. So grabbing the, I'm looking at the children's books all the time. I think that was probably, it was just, it was in my universe and sitting there and reading and seeing these beautiful stories and just really missing it. And I want to think around that time was when I really got involved with, so like SCBWI has regional chapters and luckily for us, the New England chapter is very active and it is just an amazing group. The, their conferences, they pull in, I mean, Peter H. Reynolds was a keynote at one and oh, Dan Santat was a keynote at one. So it's just, they pull in some names. And once I got back involved in that and just met, um, met people, got a critique group. It just was so inspiring. I'm like, okay, I got to, I really have to try this again. Cause it's kind of now or never, right. It just was, it was just missing it, it. And it's, but I think the practical person in me was just seeing, like you said, the money, the livelihood was yeah. coming from graphic design. So it's hard when you're a mom, you're a mom, you're a wife, you know, you're a business person and you can only split yourself into so many pieces. Yeah. And it's um, sold like you can do it all, but you really can't. You, you can't. have, you want it, to, it's a scale. And so yeah. obviously most of your time and because finances are, for me, that's always part of my equation when I'm looking yeah. at things. Some, uh, some people have had, and I, I don't take this away from people, but some people don't actually have to make the financials work. Um, mm-hmm. Especially when you talk about the beginnings of getting into something and, you know, some people, and that was my experience. I had to make the financials work. Yeah. I didn't just get the opportunity to focus in on my business and focus in on what I was trying to do. You have to balance those. So it's like that weird lie. You're told like, oh, you yeah. can do it all, but you really can't. You have no. to, you have to keep everything balanced. And so what happens is you're, you're trying to eke out this like 
intention for yourself while not giving up anything that you need to have happen. Mm -hmm. So with being, so with graphic design being that thing, Mm -hmm. I know for me, one of the really pivotal things was also a group. It was Mm -hmm. putting people around me that were at a different stage than me so that I could see what full-time illustration looked like, what freelance illustration looked like. And so was that part of, and also this is just a weird little question because I, I just believe so much in putting together these like, then the power of creative communities or these critique groups mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. how did you find those people? Was that through SCWI or yeah, was it something? It was, okay. I can, it was so, um, he would probably hate me for saying this, but my <laughs> first um, conference I went to, there was an illustrator that I insanely admire and I still do. And I would say he was such an influence and he still is. And that is Russ Cox. And he, I went to my first, and he's like, I'm going to laugh. He's like a giant. He's like six, I don't know, however tall, six, four-ish. He's a tall man, Um, super friendly, super talented, super humble, but I'm all five foot three. So when I first saw him at the conference, I was so intimidated. I, I couldn't approach him. And it's like the closer you got to him, it's almost like the taller he the got. <laughs> um, and I think I just had him on such a pedestal. And he was so, I had another person actually introduce me to him. And the only other time that's ever happened to me, because I geek out at these things. I geek out over these talented individuals like you would not believe. Oh, no. You know what it is? It's like your celebrity sighting. It I is. probably wouldn't it notice is. if I was sitting next to someone that was actually famous. Oh. But like the celebrity in our world oh, yes. is kind of people just like me and you, but we don't know that or yeah. believe that. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I don't feel that. But like, I know exactly what you're saying, because that's how I am. Like you hear stories about people going to these conferences and chasing like the big editors and art directors around. Yeah, no, that's not me. I chase my like idols, like the yeah. people I'm just like, how do you do what you do? You're so amazing. So with Russ, um, he, that was like the first person I was, I wanted to meet him so badly. And again, the whole serendipity met this girl. We just happened to be in a lot of workshops together and she knew him. And I happened to mention it. And I'm like, I can't approach him. He doesn't know who I am. Like this little person, he's just so good. And she's like, he's the nicest guy. So she brought me over to meet him. And he was so lovely, so humble. And he is, he's so talented. If anybody is into children's books, you need to look him up. And he just, that was like my first mentor. And he's the one that got me into Uh, invited me into a critique group and that you would not believe how I leveled up because the people in that critique group, I think back now are so well published, so kind, so fun. Like just, it was the first time since college when I'd be around them that I would just felt that energy again. And just like, you, you just wanted to draw all the time. If you, if I could have stayed up for 48 hours with my sketchbook, I would have, because you just felt so invigorated after being around them. And, you know, it definitely, I definitely, I I hope this doesn't come off as like, I don't mean it to sound egotistical, but that was the first time I saw a huge growth. Like I, like I I did level up because I put myself around people, luckily, um, who were just, miles ahead of me and to this day like um in us I'm in a smaller critique group now and with again talented people um and it's all through that initial meeting with Russ it just was I met and would go to more conferences and just even though I it's intimidating I would go up and introduce myself to people or take their workshop and volunteer to help with the workshop you know and that way you get more one-on-one time and get to know these people and just Lisa, I have up to that ask energy. you about that though because I I it's so funny I I do the same things but for me it causes intense anxiety oh, but really? I want it so badly yeah. I've been able to kind of get over myself to make yeah. those intros but like like you said to find somebody that was able to introduce you to which did not yeah. sound like you were going to do on your own. No. Was that experience very pivotal in the way of like, I'm going to put myself out there. My hashtag is always like hashtag not that bad because in yeah. my mind, I make it so big and so scary, but yeah. I've learned because of the value of doing it 
to do it anyway and take those shots. And I always come out with it that it was so valuable to do. So the reinforcement of that, but do you feel like that was a really big key point of learning how to do that? Or are you natural at that? No, I am not natural at at all. (laughs) I wish I were. With Russ, I was not. And then because he was such a kind and I couldn't get over how humble he was for someone so talented. Um, It did make it easier because of how Russ was when I met him to then meet other people. But to be fair, he also introduced me to other people. So it just felt easier that way to have somebody with you making the introduction because he already knew a lot of Always, yeah. Every following conference, I would tell myself, think of this as like, your Russ Cox moment again, you know, <laughs> like go and talk to whether they, whether you know this person or not, if you just see them working and drawing and that looks cool. I try to make it a point of finding that person and just, you know, being like, wow, just this illustration was phenomenal. Or I love your work. I love your style. People like to hear that. Um, and it was just a way to, to make another connection and meet another person. But the only other time I chickened out again was when Dan Santat was there. I could not I mean, he's won how many, I think he's won at this point, what, two Caldecotts or Beagle and another. Um, did he win for after the fall? Now I'm going to screw it up. But anyway, he's <laughs> phenomenal. And my friend Sarah brought me over to introduce. I couldn't, I could not. And again, lovely man, quirky, funny, just lovely person. So I wish I could be more like it all the time, but there's still certain people that I do get just I think for, that's no, valid, for not though. their fault. It's my own, right? No, it's I our just own work stuff. it up in my head. Absolutely. And I think there's also, and I, you know, we always joke about kind of, I mean, yeah, the imposter syndrome thing is always a, 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 a thing, but mm-hmm. it's amazing how deep it runs when you, cause I always think about this, like, Nicole, you really are having trouble say, like, like I have no value just to say hello to a person in the world. Like, yeah. like, what are they going to do? Say right. I can't sit at their lunchroom table. Like I, I don't yeah. Would they just be like, why are you speaking to me? Everyone's going to be polite, but that's not the point. That's not how I feel. <laughs> so right. I, and I do, I do kick myself for the shots I haven't taken, that, um, yeah. but I kind of look at it this way is like, you know, you, I have taken other shots and that's good right. to do. So we're at C- CWI. This is like, we are starting yep. to put together a critique group. Yeah. And so you mentioned you had this one that was like almost a little bit imposter syndrome. You're like, how am I in this group? So I why was, are you letting I, me in this group? Yes. I, no, you are absolutely right. Um, I, I think the first few meetings, cause it was once a month, I literally just sat there Did you and just tried to soak it all in. Or was this in person? No, it was in person. Cause it, this is, you know, you actually open. found people. Oh, because it's regional. Russ, so it was, was Russ. regional. So, so you, would you drive? I always made a joke. Yeah. I would drive for conversation. Oh like, yeah. I would, exactly I would hop I in the car for like two hours if I could drive. That's exactly what someone. I did. Yeah. yeah. So my parents are still in Maine. This critique group was in Maine. And eventually there was another illustrator, another great author illustrator, um, Marty Kelly. Phenomenal. I tease him. He's a walking cartoon. The, The guy is just, you can't be in a bad mood when you're around him. He's, and his books are the same way. They're just lovely, funny, silly stories. Um, so eventually we would carpool, but my parents are up in Maine. So what I would do is I'd go up, spend some time with mom and dad, stay over, then drive even another hour for this critique group. But if I drove it from New Hampshire to there, it was like two hours. Yeah. So yes, I would drive two hours to sit in a room with these talented people, hands down. In um, my book, well worth it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It, but it was, it was intimidating to me again, self-imposed. I was nervous about showing my art because just seeing, and again, they were lovely. They always offered something that, something to grow on. Let's Mm -hmm. just put it that way. And I did. So I'll eternally be grateful to the people in that group because um, like I used to tell my students. At this point, this sounds like weird to ask you, but um, have you done a children's book? So yes, I had with a very, one with a very small publisher, very small publisher. I don't think is in business any longer. And, um, I had, that's a huge thing. So you were able through postcards or networking Mm -hmm. to get a book, Mm -hmm. small publisher or not. Yeah. Very small. Is that honestly, it's, it's, um, I've always been very open-minded about, uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I would love to have like a book with there's definitely dream publishers on my list, but for me, it was always more about feeling like 
um, I was being paid fairly. And however that was for me at that time, because there's a lot of things to consider with, right. with that, um, having some sort of creative freedom and just liking the story, connecting to the story. So um, yeah, it just, this it was a lovely story with a small publisher and it was cute and they were giving me a lot of creative freedom. And then prior to that, I had done, worked with two authors who uh, I had known and still know and they self-published. So I find that's an interesting topic because back then I think self-publishing had a huge stigma. Um, it seems like even- I don't know now- if it was then because the thing is, I think it's still depending on the plan. I it's think that it's, same stigma, don't you think? It's getting better because it is now getting if better. you go to SCBWI, they actually have class, like workshops for people who want to self-publish because there's so many- it can be a good route for people who love the marketing, who are going to be boots on the ground, who yeah. are willing to talk up their book and push it and know that it's going to take a lot of work. It's not also just- on that note, Lisa, like when you work with a self-publisher, generally who's the, who's the like so the actual like mission and like the drive and the passion, yeah. it's their story. So that's yeah. why it's like, it's really betting on the author. And so you have two things, which actually comes up, which is that you need to be paid fairly unless yeah. you are equally passionate about this. Like, like let's yeah. link arms and do this thing. Like, mm-hmm. so how do you navigate that with self-publishing? I think is still the giant question that I feel is out there. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You have to, as, so I was going at it as the, you know, obviously the illustrator. I used to have people come, authors looking to self-publish. Yeah. I kid you not, at least an email, a couple emails a week. Yes. So I, I ended it. up, putting on my website that I just, I, I don't. And I have the luxury of, of working with an agent now and she's just lovely. So that helps because- But she- as advice, like here's just a general, cause that is a reality is that as soon as someone hears that you are an artist, mm-hmm. I always get the second yeah. question is, oh, yeah. like children's books. And mm-hmm. I say, no, <laughs> but yeah. for you, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I have a story or my aunt has a story. Yeah. Like, is there something, because everyone, all artists- yeah. I don't care if you're in children's books or not. All artists get this as an opportunity. I'm also using my air quotes. Um, Opportunity. So how is there a way that you would help someone navigate that now? Because sometimes, and I love that you say you just have it on your website, but also too, sometimes it's establishing a fee where don't bother contacting to me unless it's like, is it about that? Is it about talking money as soon as you get it Um, out of the gate? It's, so it's a couple of things. So when I was very early on, I took the jobs and I learned a lot. Right. That's what, that's what I'm saying. What okay. would you tell? And what I would left? tell is, so first of all, I firmly believe I shouldn't, I can just tell people what my experience was. Cause I feel like everyone's an individual and they have to decide for themselves, Absolutely. like what they want to do, but you are not wrong in saying it's a, it's a lot of work. It's most picture books are 32 pages. You yeah. need to connect with the manuscript. You need to rough it out. You need to decide, you know, the flow of the story, the scope, the characters, then the final pencils, then the final color. You're talking, it's hours and hours and hours of an illustrator's time. And and as and I get that the author spends a ton of time revising, revising, revising. They have to work well together. So I don't feel like one size fits all in terms right. of um you know, just because your your aunt wrote a story, which is great, you know, be creative, write your stories. But um, it doesn't mean like my art is going to fit her story or, you know, vice versa. Um, So I feel like if you've never done a book before, and you connect to that story, and you connect with the author, and you can set some ground rules and say, okay, well, this is how much I, I will make because I'm doing 32, you know, if it's a 32 page picture book, be clear, you know, like you're going to get so many rounds of revisions and I'm going to do the artwork, but you might need to have a designer who's going to lay out the book unless, you know, you're, you've already researched the company that's going to publish the book. I feel if you start telling someone who is, if you're new and people are approaching you and you start laying out all that goes into it, it might make the author take a step back and realize all the work involved that they really wouldn't know how would they know right um but now what I tend to do I I don't also too how would the illustrator know which is more where I was thinking as well is that that is why I think SCBI SCBWI is the best resource and it's it's all across the the continental United States so anybody can join 
and they give you this wonderful book. I think I get it online now, but originally, you know, it's a handbook. It describes all of this. It, it really tells you all these different paths that as an illustrator, you can go, or even yeah. as a writer, cause it's for both. Yep. Um, and I feel like you need to educate yourself. So that is the easiest way you can do it is by joining that organization, go to a conference, read the book, access their website. You know, they do things online. They do little meetups online. They have a huge, two huge national conferences. One is on the West Coast and one's on the East Coast. I think one's in LA, one's in New York. Um, all the regional, con you know, have their own little conferences. I think that's the best way. You know, you just yeah. have to educate yourself. And I did it a little backwards. And then I did this, the, the two self-publishing gigs came before I joined. Lisa, most of us do it backwards, right? <laughs> How many people are like, oh, I knew what I was, no, we all yeah, do it yeah. backwards. So, so I did it backwards. I want to make sure I'm like, Lisa's saying, don't yeah. do it backwards. Yeah. Learn don't do it backwards. If you don't have to <laughs> join SCWI. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so, I, and that's kind of exactly it though. Right. Is that we yeah. don't know what we don't know in the beginning. You don't, right. And, Go so to a conference, like yeah. introduce yourself to some, be brave, be bold, you know, introduce yourself to someone, know that as an artist, you're going to look back on your work three years ago, like from, you know, three years past and be like, oh my goodness, but you're going to see growth. You should be embarrassed when you look at old work because you want to see that, that growth. You ever want to know why I don't post anything on the internet? Really? Why? Because I made it three years ago. So but by the time okay. I can post you can it, see the growth. You see the but growth. But I'm embarrassed. So I'm not going to do that. No, I'm just kidding. There's you many the reasons growth. I don't post things on the internet. <laughs> but yeah, but no, you're absolutely right. As yeah. you, you will always move forward. Yeah. You're always going to be seeing growth. You're always going to be looking back and saying, yeah. yes, look at this. Look where Look I'm, how I'm far heading. I've come. Absolutely. You know? And it absolutely. doesn't see it when you, it doesn't feel it when you're in it. But time passes, man. It goes by. Yeah. It goes by fast. And here's a weird um, kind of twist on that. For yeah. your work, because when you do start representationally, yeah. I mean, I don't think of that, not that it's not representational, but when I look at your work now, I definitely see that, like, like that freeness of hand. And I, mm -hmm. I know, and I know because I'm, I'm probably on that more, I have two styles, but when I'm in my more traditional, it's like you, you have the reins so tight. And I feel yes. like there's some beautiful releasing of the reins that I see mm -hmm. with your work now. Mm -hmm. And if you don't follow Lisa, I will have your socials because you, to, you've moved to iPad, which allows lovely recordings. And you can see that it's mm -hmm. like, there is that lovely development that's, I will say more illustrative than representational. Mm -hmm. So when did that shift start happening for you in your, your physical work? Um, definitely the critique group. The critique group. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, okay, because great. Because they were doing that. You know, I think in college, it was extremely true to life. I love drawing wildlife primarily and I still do I love yeah. I love little critters I love you know it's just oh anything and uh furry and cute uh, that's I just love to draw and actually I just got a board book of farm animals and I'm just oh. giddy I can't wait to dive into that because I'm like oh my gosh I've never done it's my animals, animals. Yeah. yeah so but yeah I, it definitely harkens back to that group I was seeing what they were doing and um and it's not even like I was imitating a style from, from any of them. Well, it's more I permission. More it's, it's permission to not have it be so like to me, seeing people that have left that tight structure and mm -hmm. having success and you can see the, the, there's a possibility there. I think yeah. it's really huge to let yourself do that too. It's, and not it's feel little, like it's wrong in a weird way. What, no, you're at that. You're absolutely right. Like if I can think of any of those um, artists, they can draw portraits. Yes. You know, they go yes. to figure drawing classes, and I don't think a lot of people realize. No, they don't. And unless they're not in, yeah, newer artists and. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Generally, if you're doing bad art in a very pro way, like where you're getting certain jobs and you're you're thinking any any old person could draw that. Any mm -hmm. old person might be able to draw that, but that person can, can actually draw all the other ways. And mm -hmm. there's a, there's an understanding, like, you know, you always, there, this is like an age old, like art school thing, which is that you have to understand the figure before yeah. you can warp it. Yep. It's like that. So for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Those foundations are so important. I found 100%. that was a funny thing. Cause even when I was teaching, um, it's like a lot of kids want to just jump, like they want to get the AJR song, you know, that get to the good part, which I, yeah, I get it. Even working digitally, I think 
it's still just a tool. You have to have the basic understanding and know how form works. Like I look back at earlier, way earlier illustrations and I would do the old hands in the pocket because I hated drawing hands, right? Or behind the back. Or or, cut them off. Yeah, yeah, or they're (laughs) out of frame. (laughs) And um, one one of the people in the you know, crit group, they knew it. They, yeah. They've they done it probably. And they were like, yeah, you got to stop doing that. Just attack the hands, just start practicing drawing hands, practice drawing expressions. And that was one of the tips Russ gave me. He, he said to go and draw a hundred heads, like a hundred expressions, a hundred heads, just make, just do it and look at the first one you did. And it's obviously not all in one day. It took me like a month. And yeah. then look at the last one. And you do see growth in those hundred drawings but it's also becomes you have to really push yourself and go all right well how am I going to draw it this time so you start thinking about different ways to do it and it mean it's more it's more playful it's more narrative it's not as um true to life and you know like even with my little button eyes that's something I've heard a lot my little dot eyes like oh you can't see the eyes have so much so much expression in them but that's what I love doing are just those little simple like simplifying the form because I went from highly rendered to really trying to simplify and see how much I can articulate with a very simplified version of something so I've never shied away from that I've just tried to see okay well what can I do with that dot to make sure that this little character looks sad or happy or annoyed um yeah, I think that's part of the fun part of being an illustrator, right? Is challenging yourself in that way. So I wanted to find out. So you, like, I look at you now as like, I mean, again, we're always seeing like where we come in. Mm-hmm. I want to know where you started to feel like you weren't just at the beginning. Like I look at you and I'm like, okay, we got over 20 books under your belt. You've got things, you're working with publishers. You're obviously very skilled at your craft. Like what was a key moment for you where you really realized that like, all of these little scrapings together, you were gaining traction and it was working. Um, hmm. I don't know, because I feel like as a small business owner, you know, a freelancer, don't you always kind of feel like it's always ebbs and flows? I, I would say more to the point of uh, when I, not so much traction, but when I realized something I had to change in my business was with when publishing does have, it's like when it gets hit, hit, you know, where things kind of like just slow up and the whole publishing industry tightens, like just kind of what we're coming out of. It made me realize that I put all my eggs in one basket and that was a scary thing. So I think more of to that point, my big wake up call or when I thought like, Cause I don't feel like I've made it. I don't know if that sounds silly. No, it's, it, and that's kind of the joke, right? Yeah. So you never feel like you've made it. <laughs> like try, I think it's more, um, and I don't, yeah, I, I'm kind of, you, that question's just really kind of made me think in all these different directions, like all at once. I know uh, I'm, so, I'm here to confuse. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it just, no, it's a great question. I feel because of my personality, I'm, I'm always learning. I always want to learn. I always want to grow as an artist. The wake up call was seeing children's books and how it just tightened up and how projects were canceled and things just slowed right down. And that's scary. That's, that's scary. This is my livelihood. Um, I don't do as much. I used to freelance. I had almost 50, 50 illustration and and graphic design. I really don't do. And graphic design became very word of mouth. Um, Mm. I wasn't advertising it because I was really trying to steer completely into illustration, but I didn't do it wisely because all my eggs were in that one basket. My bad. And that's something I learned. And now I'm more conscious about and not to do that, even though it's, it is my, my love, But bottom line, I love being an illustrator and being an illustrator doesn't just mean children's books. It can also mean you can diversify that your talents and your interests by doing book covers. And while magazine, I have a friend who's doing very well with editorial, like she is getting some editorial gigs, but that just wasn't, you know, my thing. And that's what turned me towards, I've always loved cards. And that's what got me more to be like, this is, seems like it's a no brainer. I love drawing cards. I love a one-off. I love, I experiment a lot more when I'm doing 
card designs. It's made me, um, so like in my downtime, <laughs> my downtime. I, yeah, I know. I, I'm <laughs> laughing as I say that, but you know what I mean about I our downtime. In the time that your brain is unable to handle the big stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's a pocket. Yes. What are and you doing you in that pocket? Still, um, <laughs> It's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a workaholic, but I don't see it as work because it's, it's fun. It's nine times out of 10. It's fun. We're lucky to do what we're drawing all day. We're painting all day. They're so much fun. They're playful. Um, I think that's when you work on a book, I mean, unless it's a board book, which is a lot smaller, when you work on a children's picture book, it's a long, you know, it's a long yeah, it's a long time. And sometimes you're waiting on feedback and revision, you know, for revisions. And that's when I'm like, all right, instead of just popping a personal piece, maybe I play with these new brushes, but I make it into a card, you yeah. know, may, be more mindful about not having a, and having something in mind that I could do with this illustration. Um, Oh, yeah, honestly, I love for it. me, has always been a way, like, to me, I move things forward when I put those brackets on it. Yeah. Like, rather than just, Deadline and, and I, it's so hard because I know people are like, oh, you should just play. I just don't do that. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Cause that's just my process. So, but if I think it has some reason beyond my passion project, that's what actually ultimately makes things move forward. And I've heard you say that. And I think it's Look at this. smart because I've seen even your chart, like, you know, your clipboards where you have all your, your deadlines and I'm like, oh, that's brilliant because <laughs> you could do that for personal projects too, you know, and it's true. Once you attach a deadline, so to what? I no, see, I'm really telling projects. you, I really don't have these. I know it's funny. This is my personal project. This. Okay. This is, well, this, is, is this uh, podcast is a big personal why project. Why does it need the bracket around it to move yeah. it forward? Because yeah. otherwise it gets pushed to the, to the outskirts. It's yeah. always going to come after the practical projects. And that's, yeah. but that's why I love, like, again, looking at illustration and being like, cause I, I got those books. Those books are really hard. I, I will say I've done, I've done a book. I've only done the one, but my equivalent is calendars, 12 mm. images that oh, have gosh, to go together. Yeah. There's a lot of work. It's like a giant puzzle. And those projects, because they take a long time, it's, a shorter a shorter win project is so fun because it's like yeah just a card right like I did seven cards last weekend and it was so nice to have them not have to relate even to a collection yeah even just um now I need four of these or you know it's just it's it is what it is it's for the, it's the time that you do it don't yeah. you think when you I do yeah art? and I, I know my own process with children's books was you know you have that sketching phase where you're pulling things and then you get the feedback and then they're just like oh guess what we changed the character it's not a hippo anymore it's gonna be the, it's and then you have to go back and revise but the point is is I don't think that the artist deadline never changes it's kind um, of like yeah. you just get closer to it so it's it's all about the pockets and I think that that's how I can't really tell you how long something takes because I will say that my process is twofold meaning it's so I've got my traditional process and then I've got my digital process. So it's, it feels like it's double no matter what I do, Okay. unless it's not. And that sounds crazy to say to you, but it's just, everything has different time restraints. But again, this is where licensing for me always made more sense is that all of my pockets of time I look at as investments. And so yeah. sometimes I'm tapping into those investments, like it's in the bank. So sometimes mm -hmm. I'm actually needing to make that in one time and throw it out. Other times I can go back into the bank and I have the things I need to create oh, something really fast. So it's a really difficult yeah. thing to piece out and tell you, this is how much time something takes because I just don't genuinely think I, I know. Wow. So it's, it's a very, it just, um, seem holistic. like big projects. Yeah. To be, and to have so many to be working on simultaneously. <laughs> gears is tough, but I, I work similar, similarly. Um, I try to have at least a three hour chunk where it's just dedicated to yeah. one, one thing, one but thing. it's one of the reasons I really made it a concentrated effort to switch to digital. It just made mm. revisions. I know. So I miss, like I sketch a lot by hand. Um, but almost, I would say 90, 95% of the color is digital because I've just found brushes that, and tweaked brushes and, made it so they really do mimic and how really I do. That's one of the things I will tell you, I believe about your work. And I believe it's about digital in general is that when I'm not quite sure how it's happening, because mm -hmm. I don't, I think, I mean, you know, I'm very hybrid. I think everyone at some point is very hybrid if you are yeah. even a traditional artist. And when I can't quite figure out 
which bits and pieces. And here's the thing. That's the whole point. I don't even question it. I don't even question it, but it does not immediately register as digital. And so when, when that happens to me, you're doing a good job. And like, yeah, I feel the same. And it does feel like a a long time. I love when someone's like, how is this? How do you do this? Yeah, I love that. I've but done anyway, better. So, so in looking I've done ahead, a lot of actually, hands. I've been asking everybody this because I think it's just a really interesting. So as you look ahead for your business in this mm-hmm. year, could mm-hmm. be this month, but where where do you see yourself sort of heading? Whether like it could be a big goal, or it could just be something that you know, like I'm not a big like yearly goal setter, but just do mm-hmm. you have something that's on your radar that you're really looking to develop because you are a lifelong learner as you like actually enjoy. So what's on that like scope for you, either business wise or art focus wise? Oh, so much. Um, I have all the things. I am I'm a I am a planner. I plan seasonal goals and I feel oh, it's just it's intimidating that way. Yeah. Um I if yeah, look ahead at 12 months, it just feels like so okay. weighty and I feel doing That's it. Perfect. What season yeah. are we in? Are you at the end of a season? Are you so portal? I'm at a start. Yeah. I kind of start with the, with the calendar. You don't have to, I actually have something about this all on my website that people can download, like my little, how I do it. I'm going to link it. Yeah. Cause it's super, it's just, it's again, it's just that mindset shift and making little, little progress towards a bigger goal. So right now for me, Nicole, I am, I have, it's, it's just keeping up momentum. It's all about momentum and diversifying and the things I really love to do. I had to just really tap into that. So it's more teaching. I do love teaching, but I'm doing very short classes. I do doing this online just to Mm -hmm. clarify on Skillshare. Yep. I do little, they're like 15 to 20 minute classes. And it seems like that's what people are responding to because you can just fit it into your day. Bite-sized bits. Yep. They're bite-sized bits. And it's less intimidating and people seem to really respond to those. And I love that because I want to share that. And I think art is therapy. And I think if more people spent some time drawing, we'd have more happy people in the world. Um, so that I have, that's one of my goals is more to have more classes. And then I have a few story ideas that my critique group are being lovely on and encouraging me on because I am, I'm very timid when it comes to writing my own stories. Have you so, done an author? Like, have you been an I author have. illustrator? You have. Okay. Yeah. So you've done this before. I have. have okay. It was a little while ago. I've had some other picture books out on submission that there was some nibbles and then it, you know, it's hard. It's a I tough know. thing. And so many of the people that do it well, they, they have several going on at once. You know, they just don't. And I feel I get so, like you said, anxious about a certain story and invested in a story that it always makes me just like tighten up and stop. It, yeah. I, I cut myself off at the knees and I have to get past that. I have to just write and write and get that story out and move on to the next one and get that story out. And then the easier it'll be. Yeah. So I have two right now that I'm very excited about. And I feel like that's a good thing. I haven't felt excited about two story ideas for a long time. So I have that. And, um, I want to just keep on going with some of the greeting cards too. And that has kind of fostered me to try hand lettering more. So, you know, that too, I see like all the beautiful hand lettering, like you do. And like Peggy, um, Dean does. And again, I think it's, I don't even know if it's imposter syndrome, but it probably is. You, I just find myself intimidated. Well, let me clarify Um, for you. I'm actually not a hand lettering artist, but you do it beautifully do it. I'm not a hand lettering artist. I just do it. And people, I can do it reasonably well. And what I really should do is show you my first hand lettering things because I did not do it reasonably well. And it's not about that. It's about need. And if the need is hand lettering, and if the, the look is hand lettering sentiments Mm -hmm. continues to be a a really core part of most of what you do. So lettering hand lettering and finding a, a lettering style that fits with your artwork mm-hmm. it's a lot easier than finding a font mm. no you're absolutely right eliminate the imposter syndrome because yep. I truly am also not a hand letterer and in fact I have started to make a few acquaintances in the hand lettering community mm-hmm. and I literally go in there with I am not a letterer because if you talk to a skilled calligrapher, this is not to distract it's kind of in the graphic design this is yeah. not to say because we all have capabilities of doing graphic design-esque 
or lettering-esque thing, it takes away from the actual skill that is involved there. Mm -hmm. But just like you say with art, Mm -hmm. everyone has art that has value to it and you do not need a great degree to have to be making art and I'm going to tell you you don't have to be a hand letterer in quotes again let's get our air quotes out Mm -hmm. to make lettered art and so you have to let a little bit of that go and exactly I had to and I had to be dragged through that process by the way Mm because I never I will I literally was not doing it but I have been hired for so many lettering projects at this point Mm -hmm that someone else has validated the fact that how could I possibly say that if I'm doing it? So yes, yeah, right. so now I hand letter, but like, yeah. would I tell you that's something I did and I would tell you wouldn't. No. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of leaned into, um, I have plenty of books on hand lettering, but I'm more leaning into just my natural writing. I was just going to say, yeah, playing with throw them away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to make, I think we have to go back to how we were at kids. We didn't get, so we opened that box of crayons and just started drawing. There was nothing weighing us down about it. And as you get older, there's so much weighing us down and it's kicking that out of your head, kicking that to the curb and just getting back to an implement, you know, and just drawing or just writing and shutting up that little monkey brain, you know, which for me, it does, it does chatter quite a bit, um, which is why I love yoga, because it just to quiet it, it, it's a very busy, a lot of stuff happening up in there. Absolutely. That's why the seasonal goals, I think, are good, because you can choose to focus, um, and we have time on your hands, right? I mean, when the kids start getting older, your focus is so much on, I mean, because we're both moms, the focus is so much on them, and just wanting to be, I want to be you know, present with them because it does go by fast. It just shifts. It, everything it does. And that's why it's so important to pull that back to like, what are yes. my goals that is outside of exactly. being a mom, that is outside of working, that is outside of client work. What are my goals that I'm trying to move forward? And I think that that's, that's one of the biggest things that is, I think a difficulty, but also it's so needed. So I am so excited to see like where these end up for you. Cause I think that's just one of the best things about all of this, but I'm so glad we got to do this and hear more. Yes. Thank you. It's been so much fun chatting with you. I love making this connection with you. Bye. I'm so glad you were able to join for today's chat. If you have a friend that you think would also enjoy some industry chatter and conversations about surface design, art licensing, as well as hearing from other creative business owners, please share this with them. At the end of the day, creativity, it takes community. I'm Nicole Tamron, and I look forward to reconnecting with you soon.